Welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and I would like to introduce you to industry professionals and people who successfully made their path to the video game industry. I hope that you enjoy the podcast and get useful tips that will bring you closer to achieving your dreams. Now, let's get right into the podcast. Welcome to the GameDev.TV Podcast. I'm KB from LA. Ricardo? Yeah, I'm joining from Warsaw today. Nice and then Phil, of course. So let's let the fans, the game to the TV students, know a little bit about who you are, and then go from there. Yeah, sure. So my name is Phil Gosch. I'm from Graz, which is the second biggest city in Austria in Central Europe. And I'm a technical artist and a rendering engineer. I'm currently working at Reactive Reality, where we are working on highly scalable and um, trying to automate content creation in 2D and 3D. And in my free time, I'm working on my own game projects and game development stuff, of course. Are you able to talk about that stuff later on? Yeah, I hope so. Awesome. Cool. (laughs) Let's get get into it. So let's start off with the beginning. How did you, what was your childhood like with games? What was your first game memory? My first game memory? So... That's a good question, actually. I think the very first memory I have of, of gaming and playing games myself was uh, on the Game Boy. Ooh, same. Mario game. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was think it was Mario Boy. Land back then. Mario Land? They had that on the Game Boy? What was it like? Was it like the Super Mario on 64? Uh, no. It was like, uh, I think it was the second installment they had. It was on Game Boy Pocket, so not on the original, but the smaller version. It was okay. just released and it was one of the the games that came in a bundle with that one. And this was the first console. Actually, it's a handheld, of course, but it was the first gaming one, like the first device powerful one. Yeah. me and my brother owned, yes. Awesome. The first real console was the Nintendo 64, since you just mm-hmm. mentioned it. Yes. I'm just in love with the Nintendo 64. Super Smash Bros, uh, Zelda, what exactly. other games did you have? Yeah. Yeah, Benji Kasui. Oh, there you go. All that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I, I still play it regularly with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. Mario Kart, and stuff. It's just good memories, nostalgia. And sometimes some of those games just hold up against the uh, time because most games nowadays are like, eh, what happened to you guys? It used to be really good. Yeah. But yeah. So after that, like, when did you start getting into game development? Was it in high school? Was it in college? Like, when were you like, I want to do games for a living? Yeah. <laughs> um, so the first time I got into that was when I was in high school. I think I was 15 years old. And I, I had a course about uh, programming. And it started mm-hmm. off with HTML, which can hardly be called programming, but right. it's a good start in the field. <laughs> so it's not very overwhelming for some students in the school with 15 years. And then we got into a bit of Visual Basic and then C++. Mm-hmm. And C++ uh, somehow clicked with me and I really liked it. Really? And okay. I, I found a course or, or a PDF in, in the internet on how to create a sim- simple game in C++ and I worked through that and I decided I, I want to create games. I, don't, I love playing games and mm-hmm. I also want to, to create them and this, this was basically the starting point for me. Also, it was uh, pretty far away from that point that mm-hmm. I was saying to myself, I want to earn money by doing games and this True. is what I want to do with my life. This, I think it came with time but mm-hmm. it came. <laughs> So when you were 15 years old and you were learning all that stuff, when did you start doing C++? Was that 15, 16, 17 or? Yes, it was in that age bracket. Okay. And then when you say they clicked, what do you, would, how would you describe it? Like you just like watch the thing and you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then you just like type away or it was just easier for you to like grasp when you're studying. Like, what do you mean by that? Um, I, I don't think it was easy. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not that much of an easy, easy language to, to grasp. And um, I, I think it was just the, the general principle of, of programming. Mm. It was something, the, the logic behind it. If it doesn't work, it is your fault. The computer only does exactly what you tell it. And, and I liked that and because I, I was into, you know, uh, science stuff and technical stuff and all of this stuff awesome. somehow resonated with me. And I think the our informatics teacher, our IT guy at the school, 
he was pretty talented in, you know, not only telling you the hard facts, but also giving mm, you like, a bit of his enthusiasm for, yes. for this topic. It's very important. That really and, is, honestly. Yeah, because yeah, I have a uh, was the start. programming teacher kind of the same way. He very enthusiastic about it. He teaches you like everything you need to know, and then he talks about like his experience with it, and you're just like. Yes, keep going. And like, we even made a joke one time where we were like, hey, man, you're like an artist. Because he, he has these uh, notes that he does for the program, and it's, it's pretty awful. Yeah. But, like, he knows. <laughs> but we're like, ha, you're an artist, bro. You, you got this. And then he went on to this, like, deep explanation of what an artist really is. And then at the end of it, we're like, okay, yeah, I guess you're not an artist. <laughs> and then, but, like, he makes you, like, in, intrigued about, like, everything you're doing. He About the artist, about the programming, about all this stuff. And, and it's a three-hour lecture. And everybody's like, we'll stay for four hours if you need. Because sometimes he goes late. We're like, we're here all day, every day. Then I have another class of a programming teacher who just reads from the slides. And it's like, nobody wants to be there. And once the thing ends, it's like, we're, all, we're done with it. So, yeah, you got to find someone who, like, teaches you programming and teaches you the like, excitement about programming. Why we're doing exactly, it. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just like, eh, it's cool. I'll make my games on my own time. And then you don't really get the feedback and stuff. Yeah, I think it happens a lot with math as well. Like people tend to think math is boring because. Definitely, like, yeah. You're young. It's just some numbers. And if you don't get someone like bringing some enthusiasm or bringing examples, especially like real life examples, the worst thing is like they're just teaching you some theory and that's it. Like. Exactly. That I could get from a book. I could literally just read Wikipedia and I would have that. <laughs> yeah. at, at exactly around that age, um, we, we had a math teacher at, this, at that school and he was really great. And he made us like math, which is, mm -hmm. I think, the hardest feat to do with a bunch of 15-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> then for it. one year, we, we got a replacement teacher. No. And then the other one came back. And in, in oh, that good. year, you could see how how the grades of of the other students or of a lot of students dropped, and they they, they started to dislike maths. And mm -hmm. the point the other teacher came back, they liked it again. Also, it, the the subject was pretty much the same. Of course, it's mm -hmm. about were different topics and stuff, but in general, it's it's a lot of how how the topic is perceived. And that must have been a which teacher great, like, got. Yeah, it must be like a great like uh, event because I know what it's like being like school and like everybody's like the teacher's back and everybody's yeah. like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> can do math again. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, that's great. So, how often would you have, you say you studied programming around like fifteen, sixteen? Was it a lot? Was it just, like self studying a lot of it? it? It was. So we had in in school we only had some some basic lecture, so just. We got to know some syntax and and we created a simple application and then we went on to the next topic, which was I don't remember anymore, but it was not programming related. It was something okay. entirely different from the field of of information technology. Mm -hmm. And so, but I kept with it mostly because I, I found that tutorial or or book on how to create your first C plus plus game. And yeah. I worked through that in, in my free time. And funnily enough, um, during this project, I discovered my, my love for 3D modeling and 3D art creation. Yes. And then uh, I think the next few years, I nearly didn't touch any code, but I was just modeling and texturing and rigging. And it started because for that project, there was the, the point in the book where I needed assets, you know, some graphic assets mm -hmm. to display. And of course, then I just started Googling software to create 3D asset. So really, in a, na a very naive way of, of trying to get <laughs> some, some stuff for my game. Yeah. So it looks pretty. And then I discovered 3D Studio Max. And then I discovered the price tag. And... Yeah, yeah, that me it's, off big time. It's a little pricey. <laughs> yeah, and then there's Blender. <laughs> you name it. So <laughs> this was the next step. I discovered Blender, and uh, then I, I, I think I worked through two or three tutorials, and I really fell in love with it. And then I spent most of my free time doing 3D modeling, animation, rigging, texturing, and whatever comes with it. 
and I spent the next few years more often 3D artist and only got back into programming back when I started university. So wow. this was like a round trip. Yes, you were through the whole pipeline. Exactly. Sound. <laughs> I'm, I'm no sound guy. I admit that. No sound. Yeah. Look at that many sound people on here. It's it's like a little niche. It's like somebody random and always like, yo, I do all the sounds. Like cool, coolest yeah. guy in the, in the room because no one else really seems to do it. But awesome. So what did you? Yeah. Which everybody wants to be in a team with at game jams. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but like I I found an easier way. So when I was making games, like. I got to a point where I needed some assets and some, you know, some models, <laughs> and then you, you know you can just make a cube and pretend, right? Yeah. That kind of works. <laughs> That's True. easier, but it's fun. I, I guess yeah, nowadays it, it it's also easier because there is stuff like Sketchfab and CG Trader and similar. You can get a lot of good pre-made models for free, or even the the Unity and Unreal Asset Store, of course. But back then, or the yeah, cubes are the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember trying to make a manhole with a, a ladder. Like it took me like three, four hours. Yeah. Making holes is hard. <laughs> really? What were you doing? I, I guess you could get. I had zero experience. Like... Okay, I was literally just trying to follow up, doing what no one should ever do is trying to do something way above what I knew just by following the tutorial. It doesn't work. I mean, sometimes it works out. You could be like, hey, I want to make a bridge, and then you want to make it something more complex, and it works out kind of. Yeah. But it's about pushing yourself, I guess. So what, what were some things you made when you started out? Did you make, like, simple stuff, characters, environment stuff? What was the things you were yeah, making? Yeah, so um, very simple stuff. So I started off with doing a lot of tutorials. So tutorials were the way to go for me, I think, for... A, probably the first year I was using Blender, but really a lot of, of tutorials because I was, I'm the kind of guy who, when I was young and I got a video game or yeah. a Nintendo 64 game from my mom, I would read the manual back to front and only then start playing it. So, no, you didn't. Yeah, I did. <laughs> no okay, that, that's beyond even me, come on. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> God mode. <laughs> okay, wait a minute, did I, I you ever get this? When you I got still do it? That's no, awesome. No. Oh, you don't? Okay. Excitement got too big and yeah, you really like, could win. You know, honestly, most games don't have manuals anymore. And if yeah. they do, it's like online. Yeah, yeah I recently bought... say the same to... thing. Sorry. Yeah, Pretty much. All of yeah, them kind of say the same thing. I recently bought a Switch game and it was just the the empty... The stuff was empty. There was nothing in it. You're probably a little except sad. Except a download like, code. That's it. Oh, <laughs> so that's thought, it? Why what a way to it's literally the same thing with this Fortnite thing. It yeah. was just for the code. I'm like, why couldn't I just buy this online? Yeah. But now it's, it's online. It's a card, you know. It doesn't need a box. Yeah. <laughs> a waste of plastic. One. The environment. Uh, <laughs> Game industry's like, screw the environment. So, <laughs> so, so back to tutorials. Yeah, tutorials. <laughs> how do you yeah. uh, maintain the knowledge in the, the tutorials? Because I know... Or how did you get the most out of the tutorials? So... I, I really tried at first to, to get hold of tutorials from lots uh, or covering lots of different areas of, yeah. of Blender in this case. So there's like the modeling, then there is animation and stuff like that. And I, if, if I remember correctly, I didn't have very good uh, internet at home back then. So I remember a few times I went to, to a shop or for a, for a coffee in a cafe. And I used the the public Wi-Fi with my laptop, and you, yeah. all the text tutorials I, I found for free on the net, I copied them into one big Word document, and then I went back home and I worked through all the tutorials in the Word document, which had messed up formatting and missing images and whatever you can imagine to go wow. wrong. When you and do you it were like, way. I got this. <laughs> yes. I'll figure it out. That's yes. dedication right there. And I did a lot of tutorials until I had the feeling I know my way around the different areas of the software, at least a bit. And then I started my own project. And as soon as I hit uh, some kind of roadblock, I, I started looking up a search for tutorials which covered that areas I needed to know. 
and that's basically how I built the, the knowledge until I felt very confident to do my own stuff. That's awesome. So it's basically like there's a phase where you learn all the tools, basically the, like the fundamentals. Then once you yeah. feel comfortable, you start building your own things. And then you try to go more advanced. Then you start looking for advanced tutorials to help you fill in the like empty spots in your knowledge where you need to then be able to create like something advanced. Exactly. I think that people get like lost in, in they get stuck in the fundamental phase. I am do that too, and I'm now understanding that like it's time to just go and like do things. But yeah, yeah so you get stuck in this phase of like constantly doing tutorials, constantly being like, ah, I don't feel 100% ready. I need another tutorial, and then you kind of like rewatch the same tutorial from different people, or you kind of think you're gonna do something else. Like, oh, maybe I don't got it right now. Let me go do something else, like Godot or Unreal or Unity, not Blender. Then we come back to Blender, and then you kind of forgot what you learned at the beginning, so you do the course <laughs> again, and then you're like, all right, let me take another break, and you do the Unreal stuff or whatever, and you forgot what that was, and you're in this cycle of like, so what tutorial limbo? Yeah, the tutorial yeah. is hell. <laughs> That's a nice word. So, what would you, what advice would you give for some people so they can? feel more confident or comfortable to break free from this I'm not sure I'm ready to make my own project or because I feel like at least in my experience it's kind of like you're you're justifying certain things so you stay in this little purgatory yeah mm -hmm. that's that's a big thing I've noticed with with a few people so I was also teaching a lot and doing workshops and stuff and one or two of the students usually they're the ones that stay in stay stuck in this tutorial loop they mm -hmm. go from tutorial to tutorial, and they, you know they're at the point where they can do their own stuff because mm -hmm. they, you, they display the amount of knowledge necessary, but they don't feel confident enough. And I, I think it's not easy to break out, but usually that point is reached if you're working through new tutorials and you can anticipate the steps the, the teacher is, is taking or yeah. whatever is happening, because you already have the knowledge of, of most of the features or um, the, the workflows or processes, which are usually, um, which you usually go through when sure. creating the stuff from the tutorial, because you know the result beforehand, otherwise you mm -hmm. wouldn't have clicked the tutorial. Exactly, yeah, that's and, true. And that's one of the, one of the, I know, I don't know how to say, the indicators or flags which should yeah. tell you it's time to move on to own stuff and time try to, to take the next step. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I okay. think it also uh, can be related to people's, uh, uh, that people tend to always try to do their biggest project as yeah. soon as they can. And because uh, if you lack confidence uh, and you go and just like clone a level of Mario, you don't care that you don't have confidence, like you're doing it to study. Like, yeah. But if you think you're doing your big project, you want to feel ready. Yeah. So I think one of the things is people don't do the intermediate games they need to develop the skills to make their actual big break. So you're saying basically they should just continue to do smaller, bigger games to feel more comfortable and then break into their intermediate project that's going to be their big game. Yeah, it's I, after I a few so. tutorials, yeah. Yeah. Like you can do one, two tutorials to like learn how to work in the editor or work in yeah. inside Unreal or whatever. So it, it works for anything, uh, and anything, I'm literally sorry. anything. This <laughs> is a good first step. Yeah. Heard that. What were you saying, Phil? So ironically, today or nowadays, if I want to learn a new framework, a technique or stuff like that, I usually choose the approach of immediately trying to do the stuff I want or need to do and only look up what I need to do for that and disregard all the big stuff uh, around it and and only if I hit the roadblock start looking into it or reading documentation so this is like the break fast fail fast succeed fast approach but genius <laughs> that's mostly because I don't have the time to read the whole manual from back to front anymore basically that's unfortunate. <laughs> I know, right? But no, that's genius. It's it's a common sense, but yet it's not. So, or at least, I guess for me, it was. I don't know, because I did it one time. So like, um, I did this Brooklyn Bridge in Blender, and yeah. I was like, I'm gonna do it, and then go to tutorials, and I ended up doing way better than usual. And then, like yeah. for instance, I'm trying to create something Unreal, and I was like, let me do the whole tutorial first, and then build off of it, and then I just, it didn't work out. So 
Um, there was something I was going to say. Dang. But anyways, <laughs> so yeah, so the idea of taking these tutorials, how would you how would you get the most, I would say, out of like one video? Would you take notes? Would you like try to do a video afterwards, like teaching someone? Would you like how would you know like, hey, I solidified this knowledge. I actually know it. I don't fake yeah. know. It. You know how people sometimes get a story like, oh, I know this. And then you ask them later and they're like, I don't know it. So one thing which is probably extremely ob obvious is to really work through that tutorial and do everything alongside it mm -hmm. while, while watching or reading it. Um, but the, the thing why I mention it is because I have read through a lot of tutorials like in my lunch break and, and never actually worked through them. I just read them or watched the whole video and you don't really process all of the knowledge. You don't really learn most of the stuff that is taught. Wait, you really have to waste the time or it's no, I don't think putting it's a waste stuff of time. in your, Yeah, okay. But if you're trying to maximize the output of, mm -hmm. in, in terms of skill gained, then um, t uh, working through it is, is the way to go. So there's, there's this saying or, or this, this phrase, which is um, like reading only, uh, you only keep one tenth of the knowledge from doing and you keep the most low knowledge um, if you teach. So this is like mm -hmm. the, the ultimate um, way to really strengthen your, your knowledge in an area. And, and I, I really noticed this myself because I went through the learning and then through the teaching phase when doing workshops or whatever. Nice. And there's, there's even in, in programming the, the rubber ducking method to solve oh, bugs, yeah. which it's is just by explaining it to, some, to somebody else the, the problem and then you realize the solution yourself. And, and I think this is a bit related to the teaching part. Yeah, I do have a rubber duck there. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Where is he? I, I, I used to sit there, that's why this chair here. I have my link in the back there. <laughs> Just talk to him, be like, hey, do you understand this? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, no? the important right. part about rubber ducking is uh, if it starts replying, there's something wrong, okay? <laughs> well, I sometimes <laughs> use my cats for that, and they definitely do reply, but not yeah. very helpful. <laughs> well, you never know. Maybe they're geniuses and just cannot express themselves. True. Oh, later on, I gotta show you guys this cat I found with a hat. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see it. Definitely. Uh, but so that's another thing too. Like the talking through the problem can help out for like somebody who's maybe in the void, just like doing their own thing. No, like university, no workshops. How could they? build their own group of people to like conversate with or like teach or, or yeah. How would they find that community? I know there's also, we have the game to the community, but how about somebody else who's just like, <laughs> you know, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> what would you tell them? Yeah, Perfect point to flag the game dev community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah the, the internet nowadays has made it incredibly easier to do that. Yeah. Because back, back when I started, I somehow, by having common friends, um, discovered one other guy in my town who was doing Blender stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, this, this really helped me because I just met with him and we just wanted to go for a coffee, coffee and then we like spent five or six hours just talking about Blender and That's being awesome. like little boys, did you see that artwork and did you see that tutorial and that new feature is in development and, and whatever. Wow. And this was really great. And from that point on, when new features were added or we learned something ourselves, we taught it to the other. And this really accelerated both of our learning process. And we thought, if we too already profit from, from just regular exchange that much, maybe others profit from that too. And then we mm. founded the Blender user group in, in our town. And we, we put a homepage up and the usual stuff. And suddenly a lot more Blender users found together. And then we had regular monthly meetups where we had talks from our members about oh, wow. their latest Dang. projects or somebody was um, like 
presenting a new feature which was re added to a recent Blender version or whatever. And this 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 really helped. So building this local community and later in a like a bigger way, uh, I did the same with the game development when I was back in the, the programming and game development space mm -hmm. where I co-founded the, the Game Development Association in our town. And we are now hosting talks and supporting <laughs> local game devs, uh, connecting them. And we are also hosting the, the biggest game development conference there is in Austria. Dang it. Oh my god, okay. This, this is hilarious. basically all so, yeah, so You did the make wow of like groups. <laughs> yeah. You were like, I not just gonna make a small little community, but I'm gonna make the biggest biggest. Let's just go huge. <laughs> well, I just went from small to, to big. Yeah, you know, but that's great. and of that's... course social media and, and the internet. This was the best. Yeah. So now it's like what worldwide? <laughs> Everyone yeah. from that's yeah, true. that's one thing. Like back in the day, if you wanted to do something, you needed to find like a random. Assuming back in the days, like fifteen years ago, it's like you had oh. to find a forum, yeah. like an actual forum. Exactly. Do you guys remember forums? Yeah, I was about <laughs> to mention that they died pretty much, and I think that's very sad because I spent all of my first years in in forums discussing with like-minded people and answering questions and asking questions, and this really jump jump started. My yeah, I, I used them to in different yeah. areas. Yeah, I use forums for my RuneScape clan. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, glad you have events. <laughs> <laughs> but like nowadays, they're like there's like Facebook, Discord, Reddit. Do, do you need more? No, like there's a subreddit for everything. That's there's true, probably a Discord good. group. I think it and can be there's going to be a Discord. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Same with Discord. All like, if you get into one, like especially game dev TV, just just like thousands of tabs, and I'm like, so, what do I do? I post in this one or this one? I'm getting a thousand notifications. I'm overwhelmed. I'm not gonna go onto that Discord. It's kind of my thing too with Discord. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah Discord is overwhelming, but Reddit is weird. I, I really don't like Reddit. I don't know. Oh, okay. I have I'm no idea. Reddit is a I use okay. Facebook <laughs> just because it's linked to like talking to family, following some channels on politics, <laughs> food, memes. Food. Memes. Well, that's memes. more like uh, yeah. I, I follow, follow Instagram's some the best for memes. games as well. The good thing is it's centralized. Like Reddit, you have to go into each page. I assume. That's true. I don't actually use it. <laughs> no, it, I mean you have to follow it. It just depends. You have to follow the right people, otherwise you won't get the right stuff. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Twitter's worse. Twitter is just, ugh, yeah. I hate Twitter. Uh, I was gonna. Say, Everybody on Twitter yeah. does. <laughs> I'm not on Twitter. So. Oh yeah, I'm uh, an okay. outsider. <laughs> yeah, Ricardo's an outsider. Yeah, what's he It's probably best. <laughs> Twitter's dangerous yes. sometimes. So, uh, so building communities. So basically, yeah. So it doesn't seem. That difficult pretty much nowadays. It's just like go on the uh, online Facebook or game to the TV yeah. forum, Reddit, Blender. There's a group there somewhere waiting for you to find it and then join it. Yes. And then they just want to learn Blender with you, share the work, help each other. I've seen it. Like I've seen C plus plus ones like the Cherno. You go or the Chili uh, Tomato C plus plus tutorials. Yeah. You go into Discords and everybody's just helping each other, supporting each other, yeah. asking questions. But you really yeah. need that. Like I've I've learned. The more you help others with the same type of assignment, like let's say you've completed a task, oh, let me show you how to do it, it solidifies the knowledge. Or yeah. they complete it, you need help, they help you learn. Like this, you need that. You really do. You can't be in this yeah. boy. And I'm saying this because of the disclaimer. That's me basically for the last like <laughs> three years. Don't do it. It doesn't help. I've learned way more in the last couple months because I've pushed myself to be with groups, unreal groups, be like-minded people, actually conversate about what we're learning. And so... If you guys feel stuck, game to that TV fans, go out there and you're gonna have to get out of your turtle shell and expand and meet other people who are also doing the same thing. Everybody's nervous about the, you know meeting new people, but it's okay. Yeah. Everybody's cool. Everybody's nice. Yeah. And one important thing, game development is most of the time a group activity anyway. Like you need to meet people to make a game. So why not meet people who are also learning that can help you not only with like I don't know, let's say you're a developer, they make your models. You could meet other developers that can help you with 
issues you have or questions you may have. Also, we're making games. We, we we're all gamers yeah. too at the heart. Like, yeah, we're just all cool. we're all cool people, honestly. Yeah, we can yeah. always play as well. <laughs> Maybe you friends who like, play, you play video games. Video games, and you work in the game industry. Ugh. No, you're not gonna you're not gonna find that. No one's ever said that. Hopefully. Yeah. In and fact, all thirty years. years, we don't have enough time for games, which is probably a good thing. It's like I'm making <laughs> games, on probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when let's get to your college years and beyond. So near the end of your so in college, did you decide, hey, I want to be technical artist, or you were just no. go back to programming? So college basically brought back my lost love for programming. Yes. Because I was doing the 3D stuff all the time. And because of my, in in the meanwhile, it was pretty extensive 3D modeling, 3D art knowledge. Um, I it automatically fell into the role of a technical artist because mm. I view it pretty much as the intersection between programming and 3D art or art in, in general. Because you have to, you have to have knowledge of both areas, basically, to, to be a real efficient technical artist, because you need to know the 3D modeling pipelines, you need to know what 3D artists are doing to create uh, good tools for them. And you also need to be a good programmer, basically, because you have to work with shaders, you have to work with rendering pipelines, you have to work sometimes in, in basic system architecture. And so the direction of, of technical artists felt like predestined for me because I was like with 3D and programming skill sets in, in my backpack. It was literally perfect for you. You were born to do this. <laughs> at least I have no choice. You yeah, you were like, I'm good at this and this. Might as well do it. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> That's, it, That's yeah. awesome. And then after you graduated, what was it like? Was there a period of like, I don't have a job, but you had a job right away? Or was there, was there any no. dark times? You were like, I'm no. not sure if I'm doing the right thing. It's, no, that was quite different. Um, I kind of uh, started a business when I was like in second semester, and I, which was basically just me freelancing. So I'm not like some startup guy, but yeah, I started the, uh, freelancing basically. Elon Musk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and uh, just to, to earn a little money while studying on the mm -hmm. side. But it pretty much took took off immediately with just a 3D modeling visualization and, and animations, stuff like that, product vis visualization uh, in the beginning. And like one or two years later, I was mostly full-time working and doing university only on the side when, whenever I had time to take an exam or something like that. Mm. And I, I did lot of lots of freelance with, with different companies. Um, and more and more gaming stuff because at the beginning it was just um, product visualization from different industries and not very much gaming related. Mm -hmm. But the, the demand was, was growing. And then after some time, a few years later, one of the companies I was regularly doing work with and contract work with them, they, uh, by coincidence, um, discovered that I'm also a programmer besides to mm, doing their yeah. 3d assets and they talked me into into starting working for them like a, a fixed position for for 20 hours a week i think it was at the beginning okay and over the next years i still wanted to do some freelancing on the side and i still do to this day also it's get, gotten a bit less because i now work full-time and i don't have that much time to yeah, work in the evenings and and uh, weekends. Dang, a whole day every yeah. day. So from that it. point on, I slowly transitioned into a full-time job. And I also switched company last year, and I'm pretty happy with how that worked out. Awesome. I can't so complain. was the starting the business, like, hard? Where you were just like, hey, here's my license, so that way I don't get, like, you know, sued or screwed over, and then I could do work for you, and people were like, do my work. Was it as simple as that? Yeah, so starting a business is not simple because I'm in Austria <laughs> and there is a lot of bureaucracy, as you can imagine. There is, though, yeah. So yeah. lots of forms to fill in and then waiting to get some, you know, note or letter 
from you're allowed to do that and stuff like that. But yeah. um, putting that aside, it was pretty easy. I only started the business because I already had like um, one contract work lined up, one client who wanted me to do stuff and to have some legal grounds, legal grounds for that, I actually started the business. And since I was just doing it as a side job during university, where I didn't need the money that urgent to live, I didn't put a lot of effort into, you know, marketing, advertising and trying to get contract work. And this pretty much came by itself from uh, knowing a lot of, of people from the communities I joined. So oh. the, the Blender and later the Game Dev communities, most of my clients I, I have met there or on some events, talks or conferences I attended. And only like a very little percentage found me because of my, I don't know, homepage or Twitter profile yeah. or something else. Remember those times, yeah. those events? Yeah. Good times. Back then, <laughs> meeting back people in person. Ah. So wow. that's like advice from back in the day. Really <laughs> that's ever. so weird. To, yeah. Or in the distant hey, future. Go out. <laughs> when I was young, you know. Yeah. <laughs> kids couldn't start that way nowadays. It wouldn't yeah. work. I like meet each other on TikTok. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but no, actually, yeah, there's probably a, a niche there for programmers. Like five or six channels that talk about programming on TikTok. It's possible, really? yeah. I didn't notice. I mean, there are blacksmiths there. I, I do There's follow a few. I'm using TikTok, sorry. Okay. So no I, I feel bad. <laughs> no, I think everybody uses it now. Even Gordon Ramsay uses it. And that's like, what? Yes. His videos he, are... Actually, like, I thought are, it was... Either weird or good. Depends on the video. It just comes off to me as super fake. Like, he's doing it so hard. He's like, no, I'm like, all right. Hey, like, he's only on TikTok because like of his daughter, I think. Yeah, but he's usually, like, angry. And it, even though that's, like, more out there, like, he's not usually that angry. Like, he's, it's okay. a show. But, no, like, this is just, like, it's just weird. I don't know. I mean, I get it. Some of it's funny. But, like, he just, it's just like, why are you doing that? And, like, no, my God. I'm like, all right, bro, like. Alright, whatever. It's weird. I don't know something about it. You gotta watch it. I'll send it to you later. It's just you'll see what I mean by I like. Need to it's check like, it out, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. There was this video of a guy putting Nutella on filet mignon. So that's what. Okay, that's what he does. He finds those yeah. videos. And they're, yeah, they're like, I, I saw his video. Yeah, it's one guy like yeah. It's, it's it's interesting. But back to what were we talking about? Businesses. Okay, so businesses. Yes. Yeah. It actually. Is a lot of it's very complicated making a business, but I think it's important for a lot of game developers to at least like start with freelancing or, or something because you're gonna have to eventually, whether you're working for a company or you want to start your own indie studio, you kind of have to understand the, uh, the legal stuff, marketing. Because if you want to really put yourself out there, whether it's your work, your own business, or even just yourself, like you have to market yourself, you have to be like, yes. Hey, this is who I am, yeah. this is my great work. So, what? What are some things you learned while it's like starting your business or like what? Yeah. What things you learned? So there, there's a lot of stuff. Most programmers or artists um, aren't really aware of because they're not business people, but you need the business people. You need to be a business person. If you, even if you're just freelancing, because um, even if you don't need the marketing, because you're a kick-ass artist and everybody follows your Twitter account, just as an example. Um, you can easily get screwed over with your first few contracts by setting up a bad contract and losing money or, I don't know, stuff stuff like that. Yeah. You, you have to do, you know, your taxes and all that stuff correct. Yeah, or you get important. fines, which are really... Sounds like personal experience. No. <laughs> <laughs> you no, can get I, paid on Bitcoin, then you can pretend yeah. there are no taxes. No, I was I was lucky. I really had very nice first clients. And yeah. only when I looked through my first contract years later, I was thinking, oh my God, what was I thinking? <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, that's, that's stuff you learn by doing. And other times I, I, got, I got away um, without you know, too much pain. So to say, I was like um, delivering artworks for a client and then he just disappeared. 
and and right. I realized the yeah, he vanished from the like the earth. No, like, it, as it in was, like you couldn't contact him. He <laughs> yeah, basically, and it was uh. like um before he signed the contract. Oh no! Like, but you already did work. Could you provide work? me with a pre-visualization of that because I don't think you can do it. And I sent him like the nicest illustration, and he was gone. And then I realized, oh my god, this is stupid. <laughs> he now got the great illustration. And from that point on, I started adding watermarks to the stuff I sent for preview. More, yeah. I set up a contract. It has to be signed at the beginning before I do like the first bit of work. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. stuff like of the like stuff like this, I had to learn by doing. And that's yeah, that's pretty much yeah. how it is. I think the hard part, though, is getting to that, like, point of you're doing it now. Like, for instance, like, say, take a book. Yeah. Writing it, cool, you learn as you're writing it. But, like, how do we start? That's So, for business, what would you tell people how to start? Even though it seems as simple as, like, hey, I want to – well, it, it can't – I guess if you break it down, it can be simple. But the process is not. But you basically come up with an idea. Like, hey, I want to make a game studio or be a freelance artist. Yeah. And then you go get the license for that come up with your name, your brand, and then technically after you pay all that stuff, get the lawyer, get the stuff, you essentially have your business, and now you can do your work through that business entity. And that's pretty much, there you are. Like, it's as simple as it, it seems, because like I, before I always thought, I was like, oh my God, you gotta be like, it's some magic, you gotta like know yeah. people, and then get like, no bro, you just go online, pay the thing, wait a couple days, here you go, you got a business. So, what would you tell people who just like feel like things are just harder than they seem, or like, I don't know where to start, or like, why? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, when people don't have enough experience, it's just like, it just seems impossible. Everything just seems, for those people who know it, even though you're going to eventually know it. What would you say? Yeah. What there are your is, thoughts on that? So, like, I've, I've been there myself. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody knows that. And there is, there is, like, this hard lesson I had to learn, which is there is never going to be the perfect moment to do something. So you just got to take it in your hands and and start doing it whatever you desire and especially in the in the case of of starting a business i think the most helpful thing i can think of and give as an advice is to outsource all the stuff you really despise doing or don't know how to do so for example i really don't want to take care of my taxes so one time a year i, I pay like a tax advisor to do that stuff for me and in the end it nets me of course, a profit because I don't have the taxes. To, I don't have to do the taxes myself. I'm, I'm not liable if there is like a gross error or a or bad error. Oh, that's good. The person who did it is liable. Yes, that's why that's I paid That's awesome. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, exactly. Yeah, yeah but, but how does it work in Austria? Because uh, here you can actually deduct from the taxes the amount you're paying to your tax advisor. Yeah. So. That's, so like, there's the no Austria. reason not to do it. <laughs> yeah, you actually, it's, literally you, it's a win-win situation. <laughs> wow, yeah, there you go. See, you didn't, I didn't know that. So now you, you learn you the things you realize, hey, yeah, it's actually is a new thing. You get someone to do it and it's essentially free. That's now cool. you know. But yeah, so everybody, don't do your taxes. It's actually easy thing. Just pay someone to do it and they'll pay you back. If it's in your, I don't know yeah. about the United States. I'll have to figure that out. But it yeah. might be a, a Europe thing. I don't know. Possibly, could be. The US and if you need to open it. a company to open to to work freelance in Europe, Estonian e-residency, it works. Yeah. And it takes yeah, like thirty days, and you have a a company. There you go. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Do you have to? I'm doing that right now, actually. Hey, oh, is it like this moment? <laughs> right, this moment. He's doing it right now. <laughs> now the lawyer stuff. <laughs> is that like complicated? Like, do you pay for a lawyer for your business or? Like, is that easy? I don't know, because here in Florida, it was a little easy. They have, like, this whole thing. You pay someone and you're set. But is it easy, like, over there? Well, um, you got to choose your, your lawyer and tax advisor yeah. wisely. So That's this true, is the yeah. point where it's really um, good to have some connections and contacts or friends you can ask. Hey, you're doing that stuff. Or you know that guy who started a company or, or, or who started doing freelance? And do you know any lawyer or tax advisor he can he or she or they can recommend? Yeah. And this this really helped me in the beginning. I was in the lucky position that uh, a good friend of mine was working at a 
tax advisor firm. And so this was Perfect. a no-brainer to choose them for, for my, my stuff. And so this just fell in place and it worked out. And it's really great to wake up and not have to worry about, you know, some, yeah, some fines from things. the state yeah. because you made an error during your last tax report or stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned a good point, like talking to other people who are doing the same thing, because some tax exemptions can be related to a specific exactly. area. So like asking for uh, people who already work with whatever you're doing uh, can mm -hmm. help there as well. You can get some extra money in your pocket there. Yeah. And then forums, discords are the best too to just ask. Like, hey, has anybody made a business doing game development? What was your process like? Can you give me advice? You know, anybody's good. Like, again, meet people. Everybody's friendly. Everybody wants to help each other. Everybody had like, everybody has different resources they can provide. Like, just it's okay. Yeah. yeah everybody's gonna be, be uh, caring and warm and welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. I'll add a mostly before the everybody because there's always that one guy. Yeah. But you yeah, can ignore always... them. There is yeah. the. I've noticed that, like, at least at least in communities, not, not all whole world, but like in communities, there's a lot of moderators that keep those people out of those areas. They try yeah, to, you never know. They sneak in. Yeah. And, and, and for uh, when you're making something, I think the community tends to be a little bit better. Like for gaming, people tend to be pretty mad all the time. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> Call of Duty yes. lobbies everywhere. The MWC yeah. days. Yes. Yeah. It's rough. It's rough world. So now let's get into what, like, so what have projects you've been recently working on and we've been up oh, to? Oh, yeah. So during, during my last job and a bit of now in my current one, uh, there's a lot of focus on, on augmented reality. So that's some Ooh, of the stuff I've, I've been working with. And the more I was working with augmented reality, the more I wanted to just do simple pixel art 2D games <laughs> in my free time, yeah. as you know, like because I like the contrast. Yes. But I, because I always came back to the 3D stuff, I I ended up with 3D or augmented reality, and currently a virtual reality project. So I'm working with with some friends who have a, a you know film production studio. Yeah. on a virtual reality music video experience, kind of that. So we, we got permission, permission from, or actually it, it was like a contract uh, from a award-winning Austrian band. And for one of no their way. last That's hit cool. songs, we are creating a virtual reality music video or experience. We are like in, in, in the orbit of space and you're like slowly floating through that, that ship and then you go outside and you see you're above the, the earth and the, <laughs> with this huge scale and there is waste and trash and stuff like that everywhere flying around you because it's like some environmental issues they're trying oh, to there's so much trash up there. bring into the spotlight and so they are using that for that, yes. So this, so wait, so it's like you said music, right? So is it like a kind of concert type of thing, or it's like you get to go through space and experience like what's really happening out there exactly. with music? So exactly. So the the music, the song, it is one song, and this is playing during the the whole uh, experience. And of course, it's it's you know the the sound is interacting with you. So there are a lot of different um, devices. So this is like about electronic waste in the first place. So there are old TVs and iPhones and smartphones and tablets and stuff like that floating around you, which are broken and trash. And all of the displays still somehow work <laughs> around you and play the song. And you can cool. actually listen to the different tracks of the song from the different devices coming around you with the VR surround sound feature and what? all that stuff. And it's, it's, it's great. And I'm currently working on that and I hope we, we get it out soon. We're first going to present it at some film festivals because my, my partners are from the film space and yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, usual way to do stuff. it with them. Yeah. And then I want to release them on the, on the Oculus store because we're usually uh, currently 
targeting the Quest mainly because it's like the most common headset around. Yeah, is that the one where it doesn't have wires? It's just like wireless. Yes, exactly. And they recently so released cool. the second version, which is even better. It's it's insane. I, like you're finally able to now do it anywhere. You yes. can put it like the commercial even has you like in the bathtub, outside, other places. Ah man, VR is gonna be so cool when it's like not that yeah. huge headset and it's like some kind of goggle thing. Ready Player One. I want Ready Player One. I want like the uh, Oasis. I want that. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. I think Fortnite Everybody is like does, getting man. there. It's gonna yes. be there. There are a few design things that need to be uh, to be improved, I guess. Like game design, like how to make a proper game for a certain type. Because like we kind of know how to make three D games. Well, ideally, we kind of <laughs> ideally. Like, yeah, I feel like some people mastered it. Like uh... yeah, but like even companies that are supposed to have mastered that kind of make things like Warcraft three reforced. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> yeah, like Cyberpunk. No, but like a lot of um, the PlayStation uh, companies, like Insomniac or Santa Monica, they make pretty great games. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in terms of design, I think it's pretty good. Like uh, in terms yeah. of uh, quality of like story or like the idea is kind of meh. Like VR games. And okay, they make no, no, like normal games. Like people make those kinds of mistakes with VR, like. People have no idea how to make certain things like work <laughs> properly yeah. in terms of like the gameplay actually be fluid. Have We're you played the Skyrim right VR? There. No, I, I, I never played anything Skyrim. other than Resident not Evil yet, 4, no. uh, 6. I heard VR. it's great. So they added the where you can actually move around because before yeah. it was like point and click to like move and I was like this is horrible. So I thought it was the greatest thing ever, and I think if we can improve VR, like, nobody would want to go back. But you can... Remember how the game was, like, you're stuck like this, like, shield yeah. and whatever? When you're playing, you can move your arms anywhere. So you can have, like, a shield here blocking, like, a dragon on a fire, and then, like, throwing fireballs at someone over here. It was the coolest yeah. thing ever. I was like, this is dope. I love VR. Yes. I don't... I mean, we need yes. a Harry Potter game like that. Just saying. Well, they are making a new Harry Potter game, but I don't think it's VR. It's not. They should. They should. Maybe I'm you can work on it. I'm so going <laughs> so to go. play it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, yeah. It's action role playing game. This sounds great. And it's Harry Potter. Like, how can you say no to that? Yes. So, what was it like working at an actual, like, with a team and not like freelancing? So, um, well, we used Unity. <laughs> so, you guess, I know um, <laughs> how working in a team with Unity is if there's a lot of programming guys yeah a lot in, of, uh, in, source control <laughs> yeah exactly so time. like at least better than real scenes and it, it, it has gotten way better so actually for this project we tried the unity collab feature for the first time and it really has worked great so far we only had like one one merge which we merge conflict which we had to resolve and all the other stuff, like prefab changes, where two people were working on the same prefab at the same time, this worked pretty much flawlessly. And I was very surprised by that. But it was also in a pretty small scale. So there are like only three guys which were working on the Unity scene. That's good, yeah. Could you imagine like 100? <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> uh, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's learning though. You learn how different. to work with a small team. You can then work with a bigger yeah. team and bigger team. Because that can be overwhelming. Yeah. That's another thing to source control. You have to learn that too. Yeah, we also did, yeah. did that mm -hmm. in with with bigger teams, like fifteen people working on the same project, and you really have to introduce some processes to make sure not everything turns into a complete mess, which is unsolvable yeah. by some point. So I heard that story about one studio, who I I don't know if it was Unity, so I don't want to bad name anyone here, but they <laughs> basically do not have to, to lock some levels. They had in the middle of their development studio a big desk with some plushies on it, so different animals. And mm -hmm. when and every one of these was like uh, symbolized one level of their game. And when you were working on that level, you took that plushie to your desk. And when somebody else wanted to change some, something on that exact level, 
and went to the desk in the middle and didn't find the plushie there, they knew they are not allowed to currently edit that level until the other guy That's was genius. finished and brought it back. <laughs> I really laughed. laughed. Yeah. There's all the technical solutions and startups and version control systems and, you know, Git and whatever. And then this, this, this is the solution they went with. <laughs> I mean, it could be worse. Yeah, right. <laughs> just make sure they return it, right? Don't take it home. Yeah, it could so. be just yeah. not used at all, like no version control. That's that's like lock forever, locked yeah. forever, levered. That'd be scary. Your whole game without version control. You mess <laughs> it. If you're yeah. doing it by yourself, it's already bad enough. Yeah, <laughs> but like even then, like you get those moments where like Unreal or Unity crashes for some reason, and, and then like it just back. doesn't work. Yeah. And then you're like, yes. oh, let me just roll back, and it works. You're like, all right, I don't know what I did, but good thing I got version control. <laughs> that's another rough thing. But that's interesting. Like, when did you learn source control? Is it during, like, school, or is it just, like, programming? You're like, I'm going to do this at the same time. So the first time I came in contact with source control, control was back when I, when I wasn't even uh, really in touch with programming again. It was with Blender, because... All the newest features you can you could get from checking out the latest branch and compiling yourself, and they were using SVN for that. So I learned how to check out and, and basically update SVN long before <laughs> I've used any version control system for my own programming tests. And I really love branches from from Git. So a lot of my development is of course in local branches and just trying stuff without having the fear of messing up your current working yeah. code base. This is like a godsend. <laughs> yeah. Well, you we had a good start. Like, you, you did find out about uh, version control. Sadly, it was with SVN, though. Yeah, I saw that face, Ricardo. I was like, what? <laughs> could, but, be yeah, could, could be better. Could be better as well. using Mercurial, if I remember correctly. Oh, man. So. But yeah, because I don't know this really get mentioned a lot. Like, unless you're on a team, it's like, hey, we're doing version control. But when I ask people, like, learning and stuff, it doesn't really get brought up. But I think people miss it a lot. Like, even on a forum, yeah. when I go check stuff, nobody really posts, like, hey, I, I understood, you know, GitHub. I understand source control. I understand this. I understand that. No, it's like, yeah, no, I don't get it. I'm like, oh. Because source tree makes it easy, but there's other ones, like Preforce. That's like, I open it up, and I'm like. Command line. Come on. Yes. Yeah. Command line. <laughs> Command line, yeah. You install source tree and easy. then click on the terminal icon to open the terminal inside source yeah. tree all the time. And then you get the best of both worlds. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I mean that's one of the things that actually drew me to the to the course, the the Unreal course, because all courses I saw with Ben, like he does source control from day one. He has like, oh, let's make a branch here. Let's commit our changes at the end of the, the lecture and so on. So even though it's used more like to track down the lecture, and I'm pretty sure he uses when planning the course as well, like to test out changes. It's yeah. still like teaching you to source control. At least <laughs> pretty he puts it there nice. so you know it. You're like, mm. okay. And I think it's one of the skills which are easily overlooked, but very important when mm -hmm. looking for a job in the industry. Because, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. You'd be like, you know, that source control, and you're like, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, source tree? And it's like, no, advanced. And you're like, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> teach me the command line. But yeah, that's interesting. There's a lot of stuff like that where it's just like, you didn't know you didn't need it until you put yourself out there to get a job. Yeah. It's like, do you ever have yeah. moments where you, like, didn't know something and then learned it because you went to an interview or, or were you always just, like, employed after the college? <laughs> no, I... I was lucky to to basically get employed even before that while yeah, being in yeah. college. And um, no, I definitely looked into stuff because of like job requirements, but this was mostly like um, like for my current job where I was uh, where I'm doing render engine programming. I brushed up on my Vulkan skills before like entering the 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 first few uh, meetings with, with them and uh, the, I don't know how to call it, the tests, programming tests, basically. Yeah. But um, aside from that, most of the stuff I, I learned while doing. So version control system, I, I knew beforehand and learned it myself. But stuff like, you know, agile development with Scrum, that's 
some of the stuff you you pick up in you can pick up in a junior job. Um, you should know the basics, but you don't know to need the ins and outs of being a scrum master. That's and this is also one. very important for for programming jobs. That's so I don't think yeah. there is anyone nowadays which doesn't have the requirement of knowing the Scrum pro process and version control systems. Mm -hmm. And this is also all of the the nearly hard skills you need next to the actual programming languages, frameworks, whatever are the requirements for the job you're applying mm -hmm. for. Yeah, and uh, another important skill is like being a nice person, being good to work. <laughs> That's the most it's important like, skill. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, yeah. Again, I can teach you anything, but I cannot teach you to be nice. Well, sometimes yes. I can. But you can try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least that's what all the cartoons you showed me when I was younger. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. agree more. Well, I can teach you astrophysics <laughs> and uh, teaching you to be nice is way harder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. But uh, for anybody who maybe doesn't know Scrum, what would, how would you, where would you send them to like learn about it? Uh, Just so, straight up Google search? <laughs> yeah, that's what I do basically if I need to brush up my skills on something or haven't heard the term before. So for Scrum especially, there are some very good resources you can find by Googling which uh, explain the basic concepts. Mm -hmm. and, and other than that, there are I guess a lot of courses which go into the details because as I said Scrum Master is uh, own job in itself so you can easily find a lot of resources for that and I don't even know is is there on GameDev.tv a course about Scrum? No. I haven't looked that up. No. Then I'm going to have to talk to someone. Yeah. And the, the skill translates from any industry as well. Like you can find good Scrum courses probably on Udemy and any other platform, and probably even on YouTube. That's true. Oh, and again, like, a lot of good like yeah tutorial dumps. Just don't. I wouldn't forget about YouTube. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. You. What is YouTube? Right. The knowledge of the no. When looking for new university. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and then like. How would so it's just basically like a frame, a way of working, right? Like you don't need to do a whole like certification, or would you be like, I am Scrum certified? Or it's just like you <laughs> know. <laughs> yeah, I think certifications certainly help. Mm -hmm. I I haven't really got any of the the big and expensive certifications myself because from my experience, when looking for a job, um, it's probably equal to have a certification in a certain language framework or skill set and having like a blog with own tutorials so where you explain some detailed um, issues about the topic and or stuff like that those i think are are pretty much equal to most of the employers i have encountered so they they just want to know that you have spend time and and thought about and have basic knowledge in in that areas except if you're applying as a scrum master then i guess they expect more than the basic knowledge in that area yeah like, you know you need to know all of it so you can teach yeah. and stuff like that cool. yeah but that's one good thing about scrum like you don't need to be super versed in it like if you know how kind of how it works you can just get in a team and yes. you will be able to follow and then you learn more as you go okay. yes Nice. And most of the companies I've worked with, they all have a slightly different way, their own way of doing the Scrum process. So yes. you're most likely, you, you have to adapt anyway. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty so dangerous as well. What I'm hearing is learn the fundamentals of anything. And then as you go through anything, jobs or learning or whatever, then you adapt to what you need for that moment. Don't try to yes. learn it all and think, hey, I'm the master scrum. It's like, yeah, you were a year ago, but now we've changed things or this company does it differently. And it's like, oh, but I spent all my time. It's like, again, yeah. when you're ready, what you said earlier to, before, what did you, like you said when you're ready, I forgot how exactly you said it. I don't want to butcher it, but you'll know when you're ready, essentially. Yes. Cool. So we've basically made it to the end. So usually at the end, I do a, a little challenge, like the same as the uh, the lectures. So come up with a little challenge for the game to that TV students community. It could be about anything, art, 
programming, business, anything related to game development. A little challenge. Okay, give yeah. me a bit of time to think. Yeah, no problem. Um, so it can be from any area of yes. of game development. I try to avoid fitness challenges. Yeah. <laughs> so the the challenge I would give to to the listeners to this podcast is um, go and watch or read the tutorial of an area you're not proficient in and you haven't thought about learning some knowledge or picking up some knowledge from. I like that, yeah, because it just pushes you outside your comfort zone and makes you see it in another way. You might exactly, even see some yeah. kind of things a little bit similar and you're like, oh. It broadens your horizon and exactly. that's always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. or you just find something you like even more and like find Maybe it changes your life. Maybe you're about well. to change everyone's yeah. life today. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> but yeah, so thank you for coming on, Phil. This has been amazing. It was a lot of fun. Learned thank a lot. Thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Yes. And so usually we end, end it off by handing you the mic. So if you want to do any last minute shout outs, inspirational quotes, whatever you want to do to end it off. And thank you for coming on again. And the mic's all yours. Yeah, thanks a lot for inviting me. It was great fun. Um, cheers and shout outs to all my peeps from Graz, to my company Reactive Reality, and to every aspiring game dev. I believe you can do it. And search for others online and show me your stuff and progress. I'm very interested in playing all your games. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all courses at gamedev.tv or in the show notes at a discounted price. Get started with your game development journey today.